Now look, that damn cowboy is president of the United States. That was the reaction of Ohio Senator Mark Hanna after learning that his close political ally, President William McKinley, had been assassinated. That damn cowboy was Theodore Roosevelt. Roosevelt had literally been a cowboy. He'd also been a war hero, politician, historian, explorer, big game hunter, ornithologist, and serious amateur boxer. And that's not even a complete list. Now, he was adding another job, 26th president of the United States. Theodore Roosevelt was born in New York City on October 27, 1858, to a patrician family of Dutch heritage. Homeschooled for his entire youth, he benefited from tutors and widespread foreign travel. In 1876, he entered Harvard. When he wasn't editing the campus literary magazine, he was rowing, boxing, and participating in a half-dozen Harvard social clubs. But it would be a mistake to think that T.R. had an easy life. As a boy, he suffered from asthma, poor eyesight, chronic headaches, fevers, and stomach pains. But he overcame those disabilities with the determination that would become his trademark. Eventually, he increased both his strength and stamina, which he showed off to others with an irrepressible boyish enthusiasm that charmed many and annoyed many. Inspired by his father's civic-mindedness, he chose a career in politics. In 1881, he was elected to the New York State Assembly. Within a year, just 24 years old, he became his party's minority leader. Then it all came crashing down. Both his wife, Alice, and mother, Martha, died within hours of each other on, of all days, Valentine's Day, 1884. Grief-stricken, Roosevelt fled the concrete canyons of New York for the real canyons of the Dakota Territory. For two years, he distracted himself hunting buffalo, herding cattle, and writing about the American West. But he couldn't stay away from politics. When he returned to the city in 1886, he resumed his steady rise to the ranks of New York and national politics. First as a member of the Civil Service Commission under President Benjamin Harrison, then as a New York City police commissioner, then as Assistant Secretary of the Navy under President William McKinley. While in this position, T.R. pushed hard for America to take the side of the Cuban rebels in revolt against their Spanish colonial masters. When the Spanish-American War broke out in 1898, T.R. traded in his suit and tie for a military uniform. His famous charge up San Juan Hill made him a national hero. Armed with this new reputation, he was elected governor of New York in 1898. He immediately clashed with New York Republican Party boss Thomas Platt. So anxious was Platt to get the independent-minded governor out of New York politics that he arranged for Roosevelt to become McKinley's running mate in the 1900 presidential election. As vice president, Roosevelt nearly went crazy from boredom. McKinley, like most chief executives, gave his vice president almost nothing to do. And then, on September 6, 1901, McKinley was shot by a mentally disturbed anarchist in Buffalo, New York. Eight days later, he succumbed to his wounds. Theodore Roosevelt, the cowboy, was now president at 42, the youngest man to ever occupy the office. While he promised to fulfill McKinley's agenda, and for the most part he did, Roosevelt was his own man with his own distinctive governing philosophy. T.R. believed the president should set the legislative agenda for Congress, not the other way around. 
which had been the norm for most of American history. He was also not particularly deferential to the Constitution, which limits executive power. T.R. argued that a president was permitted to do anything that was not expressly forbidden by the Constitution. For example, when coal miners went on strike in May 1902, Roosevelt threatened to send the army to operate the mines. Asked whether that would be constitutional, Roosevelt replied, to hell with the Constitution when the people want coal. Roosevelt applied the same assertiveness to foreign policy, as, for example, in the creation of the Panama Canal. When the Colombian government refused to lease the U.S. the Isthmus of Panama, Roosevelt took matters into his own hands. He told his Secretary of State, John Hay, I do not think that the Bogota lot of jackrabbits should be allowed permanently to bar one of the future highways of civilization. T.R. sent a fleet of American warships to the Colombian coast to aid the nascent Panamanian separatist movement. When the rebels declared their independence from Colombia, Roosevelt immediately recognized the new country of Panama and made a favorable deal for the canal. His critics shouted imperialism, but most Americans were thrilled. As a new century dawned, the nation was on the move, and nobody moved more decisively than Roosevelt. That damn cowboy had arrived, and it seemed so had America. I'm Wilfred McClay, professor of history at Hillsdale College and author of Land of Hope for Prager University. Thank you for watching this video. To keep PragerU videos free, please consider making a tax-deductible donation.